Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. My name is Paige Peck, and I'm joined by my mother, Nicolene Peck. Hi there. Hi. (laughs) And today we are going to be talking about dating and courtship and boundaries with all of those, no matter how old you are. And so, but first, kind of of an important topic for you, Paige, right? Seeing how you're in the stage of dating, courtship, and well, boundaries. (laughs) It's true. It's true. It's, it's a really important subject to cover no matter how old you are. And, you know, no matter what phase of life you're in. And so, but, you know, before we go into that, you know, on this podcast, we always look through the lens of self-government. And self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of how to control your own behaviors. That's a mouthful, isn't it? But that, that is what it is. Understanding cause and effect making decisions for yourself, following through with the decisions for yourself and having a change of heart. Yeah, it's very true. Anyway, so that's that's our topic for today. But before we jump into that, as is tradition, we are going to share a quick activity that you can do with your family. And, you know, our family, we love, love games. And so I feel like a lot of our activities that we share are game related. But... Uh, one that we thought of today was we're calling it the bean jumping game. We don't really have a name for it, but it consists of taking one of those big, large egg cartons, the one from like the the 60 egg pack, and you fill each little carton, It's so it's empty, and if you fill each little carton with a bean or a marble or something, and you leave one open. And so then the object of the game is to quote-unquote jump beans to finally get you know just one bean left in the whole carton so you have to skip over uh, and collect the beans that have been jumped so this was a game that we just invented and it's one of those flats you you get one of those flats of egg cartons that's like two and a half dozen I think that's how much it holds two and a half dozen and so we just, I don't, I don't even know how this happened. We always make stuff up, but somehow we made up this game. But I remember my children having tournaments with this <laughs> and trying to see who was the best at it. And, you know, I mean, it was like math. I mean, this is a math thing, you know, to do, to try to figure out, okay, but it's kind of like checkers. You pick one bean up and you jump into the empty space, but you have to jump over another bean or marble. And the one you jumped over gets removed. So then you have to plan where all your moves can be so that you get it down to just one bean left in the whole tray. And it's, it's way harder than it sounds. Yeah, especially with that many spaces to cover. You have to be very strategic about it. Yeah, it's kind of like that game that they give you at uh, 
Cracker Barrel. <laughs> when, you, the, when you have the little triangle piece of wood and you've got golf tees and you're jumping the golf tees, but it's just on a much larger scale and it's a square <laughs> and not a triangle. And anyway, maybe we just copied that one time. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, super fun game though. I love that memory when Paige said, Remember that game? I was like, um refresh my memory and then it came back and I thought oh my goodness that was so fun (laughs) anyway super great well today we're talking about dating courtship and boundaries so and the boundaries like key into the boundaries here because I don't think you can have successful dating and courtship without having successful and strong boundaries set up it's true it's very true and I can I can tell you that from experience you know just with dating people and having the difference of boundaries you know what the difference between people who really do have boundaries and rules and those who don't and just kind of go for it it's it's a very different experience well it is and and it's a little bit more of a nervous experience if you're dating a person who hasn't set up boundaries for themselves when it comes to romance okay let's just right. say it we gotta <laughs> talk about romance I mean there's other aspects of dating and courtship and, and we'll try to get to as many of them as we can obviously we never have time to cover everything on these podcasts but we get to what we can um but romance is the biggest thing right so let's uh let's first talk about the origin of where where would in the teaching self-government model of teaching and I don't know how familiar everyone is with the teaching self-government model of parenting and and family rearing Um, but we have something called a family standard and this was something that we started years ago when we were doing foster care so we were taking in troubled youth into our home between the ages of 12 and 18 they all came from different backgrounds different religions different ethnicities sometimes we had people whose homes had been run differently maybe they had no standard at all on what they could read or what they could watch on television or something and all of a sudden they come to a home where we totally do have a standard about that and we care Mm -hmm. about it because if they have a sexual past say for instance well then we've got to help them and not make sure that they get exposed continually to stuff that is going to cause an additional problem for them you know out of kind out of kindness and mercy we got to help them have boundaries so anyway we decided before we ever even took the first foster child into our home this was years ago Paige would have been you would have been one year old maybe even not quite that but right around that age and me and my husband looked at each other and and said okay let's try to think ahead as many things as we could look ahead to what kinds of issues what kinds of issues do you think that the young people could be dealing with and so what we came up with was that that you know there were all kinds of things from colored hair to tattoos to social um all of those different things and we made a list of what the do's and don'ts were for our family and we called this list the family standard yeah and it's been there for a long time ever since i was little well, yeah, it's been there since you were a baby. And then we took that family standard. And when, when those youth would come into our home, 
we would actually say to them, um, here's the rules. <laughs> yeah, this is this is our family standard. Here's a list. Now let's go through your bags and see if everything that you have fits into this. Do we need to take some of these clothes, some of these books, some of these music CDs, whatever, and store them in a box for you for when you leave our home because they're not going to fit being here. We weren't going to corrupt our own children and our own family because somebody else had been raised differently. They were coming to our house to be part of our family, so we had to help them along with that. But that that meant that you guys, Paige, your whole life you've had this family standard. And there's a lot of things on that family standard like when you can have a phone and when you can't have a phone and yeah what types of things that well and I say now I mean you're an adult now (laughs) whatever you want now but but um but what what did you gain from having that family standard do you feel like it benefited you in any way I would say yes in a very big way actually because there were times where I would compare that family standard to say what my friends had and you know when I was younger it seemed a little inhibiting it seemed you know slightly like I was in bondage but you know as I grew bondage. up these- <laughs> That's intense. Well, That's you know intense. you know when you're little and you're like oh my parents say I can't do this it stinks you yeah, know, like I can't watch rated R movies. Yeah, or whatever. And so it's like yeah. uncool, you know, because that's what everyone else is doing. But as I got older and as I watched my friends, you know, these same friends that I was comparing things to, uh, as I watched them get older and not really necessarily have that family standard, they were just kind of going with the flow. I watched them, their relationships with their family were not as strong. Their relationships with, you know, with God were not as strong. They, they didn't necessarily. wandered. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I think I know what friends you're talking about. Love them, love them. But yeah, kind of like a wandery sort of a way through life. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, they thought they had, they had it all in the bag when they were younger because they didn't have those restrictions. Mm -hmm. But I think they're the ones that are finally realizing that, you know, those are, for lack of a better term, you know, bonds that make us free, you know, to quote yeah. a title, but <laughs> that is a book title. That's a fantastic book. Highly recommended. I love that book. So I, I'm thinking of one friend in particular who really just kind of wandered, of, uh, you know, this friend of yours who really just kind of wandered and even into adulthood, she just kind of like, oh, do I do this? Do I not do this? Do I, you know, everybody else is doing this and that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden she just came back to, what am I doing? <laughs> Where is my life going? Why don't I feel a sense of, you know, solid direction? And then she made some amazing solid direction for herself. Mm-hmm. And she just change the whole trajectory of her life, which is fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, empowering. So that's the power of a family standard. And our family standard includes lots of things. We'll probably touch on various different pieces of the Peck family standard over the course (laughs) of some of these podcasts. But today in particular, we are talking about dating, courtship, and boundaries. So let's get into that, to dating, 
and the purpose of dating and crushes and all that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> all the fun levels of romance and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Now I have to say Paige, when she was a baby, most people don't know this about babies, but <laughs> they can flirt and Paige did flirt. Okay. It's true. This, she did in the hospital. She would sit oh. there and she would blink her eyes at people, like flutter her eyelashes. And and we looked at each other and went, whoa, girls really are different than boys. Like, what is she? <laughs> she's, she's fluttering her eyelashes at people. And we're like, no, she doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't know what she's doing. Paige kept flirting as she grew because when she was <laughs> almost a year old, there was a person that came in from out of town and and he hadn't met her yet and here she's this new little baby and all of a sudden she tilts her head and she flutters her eyelashes at him (laughs) and she was a baby so she was flirting even when she was so little and there was never a time that Paige told me she didn't like boys now her sister (laughs) yeah her her sister was like boys are dumb I don't like boys you know And, like, all the boys hit the stage where, like, girls were dumb. But Paige never didn't like boys. It's true. That was just a thing. (laughs) And and she liked to be held by boys the best. So when she was... When she was little, she wanted dad to hold. I mean, she loved me too, but she wanted to cuddle into dad and into grandpa and into uncles. And so she would just, like, she loved the feeling, I guess, of just cuddling in with the guys I was like uh oh we gotta watch out for this one anyway we were we were like so worried that she was just gonna be I don't know like not doing right no but she was fine anyway we had a family standard we trained her up right um but children even when they're really little can have an awareness of the opposite sex and they know oh there's a difference between that person and that person and they can have a a feeling of even being kind of a little bit of a crush there so what's the point what's the point of a little person knowing the difference between girls and boys and and knowing um you know that they feel comfortable with somebody of the opposite sex or not or whatever what's the point of all that I mean we have to get used to who we are and who the other people in the world are but what's the ultimate goal anyway of the whole boy girl anything I mean yeah it's marriage, I mean I'd say it? the ultimate goal for anything related to that is you know eventually we're supposed to find someone to settle down with and start our own family with and so those yeah. feelings and that knowledge has to be there so that we can find the person that's appropriate for us And so it's important when kids are young for parents to help them understand and navigate all those different things and all those different feelings, especially, you know, those, those bodily hormones and those feelings so that they don't get confused and so that they can analyze those things properly for themselves. Yeah. And make plans. I think that's the thing is you got to know where you're going and what your plan is to get to where you're going. I remember that there was a little boy named Trent when I was in first grade I had a crush on Trent and he walked me home from school 
Oh, it was so cute. And he lived right by the school, but I lived really, really far. <laughs> so for this little five-year-old to walk past his house, walk me home, and then we'd walk after school. And, oh, me and Trent, we liked each other. <laughs> it was so cute. Anyway, and so I had my first little crush when I was what, five, year old, five years old. But I remember saying outlandish stuff, you know, that five-year-olds say, like, I'm going to marry Trent. <laughs> You know, and stuff like that, because that's what it's all about. In fact, uh, the majority of our social interaction really leads toward that pinnacle moment where we find that person that we want to spend our life with. Right. And Paige, you being in college, you can tell us this is a grueling process. (laughs) (laughs) You can say that again. grueling life-changing and tear-jerking yeah that's the one thing about college is the only constant thing is change it's a problem and it's just it's so hard yeah Yeah, and especially there's so many people that like you find you have an attraction to and then you spend a little time with them like just kidding not going there (laughs) yeah because they're not a match in the ways you need someone to be a match right Right. and so then but then you find these other people you're like oh my goodness we click so well we can talk about anything you know we can do we feel comfortable with each other you know we feel safe with each other it's just it it's a whole different dynamic yeah for sure uh I, I like there's been so many times where my husband and I have looked at each other and said, oh, when the children are in college and all this dating, and it's just <laughs> such a, oh, you know, because the parents, you're like, wish I could make it easier, but I really can't. <laughs> you got to do this yourself. <laughs> this is a beast, but you got to pick your own person. We're past arranged marriages stage <laughs> in our culture. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> So the parents would probably fail sometimes, I would imagine. Anyway, so probably. So let's so let's talk about there is a purpose then. There's purpose of crushes, there's a purpose of dating. A person should get used to the idea that one of the things that will make them the happiest in life is to find that person that they're meant to be with forever. And obviously some of our social skills help us in other ways, but the way (laughs) that we behave in love, okay. The way that we behave with the people we date and, and obviously you don't love every person you date, you know, that takes a while before you get to a stage where you would say that, but, but in the matters of the heart and trying to help the heart find the person that you're looking for those same social skills that you are going to learn when you work with people of the opposite sex in dating are going to be the things that also make you a good person to work with at the office Mm because you're going to be more charitable more understanding not as judgmental because you need all of that any person that's been married for any length of time realizes that it's not a bed of roses the second you say <laughs> yes let's get married you know the the i do does not mean eternal bliss it means now you're in this project but you're in it together and it's mm-hmm. beautiful and and it forms you into a person that can have patience with all kinds of other people because well, yeah, well, and i think it puts you in the mindset with you. it puts you in the mindset to look out for other people instead of just yourself 
Oh, for sure. And I think that's really awesome. I know, uh, you know, a year and a half doing service work for our church really helped me to put my mindset as in, you know, what can I do to help other people? How can I help someone else? And so Mm -hmm. then coming back after that and just, it, I don't know, it improved my relationship with my roommates, with my classmates, with, you know, people that I would go on dates with because I was focused on them, you know, and that's, that's a big part of courting or dating. You know, that's, that's something that's crucial is worrying about them and making sure that you're not just focused on yourself. Well, Oh my goodness. That type of charity. Cause that's charity, right? Mm-hmm. Charity and um, service and patience and um, valuing other people. I mean, that's huge. That's actually what real love is. And Paige, we've had conversations about that, <laughs> you know, about, about how, how real love means that it's not about everything you want anymore you you can't find you'd find no greater joy than to make that other person happy think if everybody in their marriages were like that because people are not like that in their marriages Mm -hmm. I I mean some are you know right but then some aren't okay but what if everyone was like that in their marriages how would they treat each other as neighbors and as co-workers and people might actually get to know their neighbors (laughs) yeah (laughs) Well, they would value them more at the very least, right? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't always assume the worst first. Right. A person that assumes the worst first about their neighbors is probably also assuming the worst first about their spouse True. and about their children. It's all about your perspective and yeah, where and your that, heart is. That relationship with your spouse forms you in the way you relate to almost everybody else. Mm-hmm. And the relationship with the parents and the relationship with the spouse, that's huge. So I love that currently, I mean, I'll put you on the spot just a little bit, but currently <laughs> you have a boyfriend. He's a great guy. I do. He's amazing. Um, yes. And he is, he has also done years of service for our church. Mm-hmm. And I think that really there sets you guys up. I mean, there's many things that have to come into play, right? but that sets you guys up to have a really enjoyable experience as a couple and to have a good relationship because you both already have spent time looking outside of yourself, outside of your own problems, your own desires, Mm -hmm. and you see a bigger picture of life and you're able to serve each other. And I think that it's a great thing. No, and one thing that really makes our relationship so sweet is that he's he's always concerned about, you know, am I okay or are my needs met or, you know, stuff like that. And what's what makes it even better is that, you know, I'm concerned about the same things for him. So if you're both concerned about each other, then both of your needs get met. And you don't you don't have to worry about worrying about yourself. Because mm-hmm if you're worried about someone else and they're worried about you, then everything is taken care of. Yeah. And you know, that really kind of flies in the face that just what you just said right now flies in the face of the modern dialogue for women Mm -hmm. and men. Okay. Because right now the modern dialogue for women and men is entitlement. What do I get? What do I deserve? What do you have? That's more than what I get. So I should have more. 
Yeah, this is a really common thing that's happening in society where women and men are pitting themselves against each other instead of seeing the value in each other's existence, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, people are not sex toys, you know? That people are not just romance objects, mm-hmm. you know? I think some of my it, favorite moments that you know, I've had with my boyfriend is just, we'll be on a walk, holding hands and just talking. Well, yeah, because that's a real relationship. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously, you know, cuddling is nice. Kissing is nice. But just having those deep moments where you get to understand someone on a more, I guess you could say spiritual level or emotional level, not necessarily physical, because sometimes that well, even by. intellectual. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And so there's so many different levels you have. If you're really going to find that that one person one day, you've got to attach in a lot of different places. Right. The physical is great. Nice. But like so <laughs> not the like main the thing icing on the cake. hold somebody together. There's some people that just they're like, oh, we're so compatible physically. And yeah. that's all they care about. And then nothing else lasts. Mm hmm. Because, oh, you, you're good looking, I'm good looking, we think each other's good looking, must, must be perfect. Let's, <laughs> no, like there's, that's almost, I always called that the bonus. Like, okay, if I can find a guy that I connect with on all these different areas, and then he happens to be hot. <laughs> then cool. Then, then I am scored hard. <laughs> But here's the thing is that when you find a person that connects on all those different levels, you're so infatuated with them and so in love with them that they are the hottest thing you've ever seen. Like, that's just how even if even if they have funny toes or something, you know, I'm I'm putting my husband on the spot. His toes are tilted. It's weird. I've always thought it's weird. (laughs) Anyway, but but like, it doesn't matter. I'm not in love with like, I am in love with his toes. Maybe I shouldn't say I'm not in love with his toes. (laughs) Well, because when you truly love someone, you love every aspect of them. Yeah, even though his toes are tilted. It's fine. (laughs) Tilted toes. People have tilted toes. That's okay. Yeah, but I I think what's really... (laughs) I think what's really made, you know, the relationship that I have special is he is really good at setting boundaries for himself, which was another part of our topic today. He is that yeah. like that's that's almost endearing. Something that I appreciate a lot about him is that he knows his limits and he knows when you know something is too much. And so you know we've made different boundaries as a couple. So you know curfew where there's a curfew where I'm at, and it's usually you know around midnight or one a.m. And he said, you know, you mean where, where you're at, you mean in campus has a curfew, right? Right. right. Campus has okay, a curfew. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay. you know, he said, you know, for my own sake, I think we should, we should call it a night or be out of each other's apartments by 1030 just so that, you know, we don't get into trouble. And I'm like, you know, what? I can respect that. Let's do that. And so by 1030, you know, we're leaving whoever's apartment we're at and getting the other person home. Well, so in, in teaching self-government language, you're both <laughs> applying a skill here. And that skill would be that you're giving yourselves a what? A no answer. Yeah, but 
which is a no answer right exactly that's what I was looking for you found (laughs) it yeah so both of you are giving yourselves a boundary here's the time the time is the boundary and at the time this is what happens we give ourselves a no answer about being together now and we'll just have to see each other tomorrow Mm -hmm. and that's how it is and luckily there's always a tomorrow so that works out Mm -hmm. so that's good Anyway, but there are a lot of other boundaries. I'm glad you're you're bringing up the boundaries. Let's talk about the boundaries before we even get to this stage, okay? Before, so you're yeah. at a stage where it's like you are looking for Mr. Right, right? Yes, that's a lot of right. Right, of course, sentence. right. <laughs> right, right, of course, right. Okay. So anyway, so you're looking for the one that you want to spend forever with which I just think is awesome because I just had my 26th year anniversary and I can't believe how fast it seems like it's gone. Mm -hmm. I absolutely feel like 26 more years, bring it on. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) go. We love each other, you know, and we look at each other and go, Hey, you've sort of changed in 26 (laughs) years. Hey, you too. Like some things for the better, you know, but the majority for the better, the body, maybe a little bit for the worse, but, but, the, but the rest for the better. And our attachment is even closer mm-hmm. than it was way back then. And our respect for each other and our service to each other, um, even better than it was way back then in those days. And if you do it right, that's how it should be. But okay, so let's talk about the boundaries. So when you're young, and when we're talking about teaching children about dating and about relationships, like love relationships, those, you have to start your children young talking to them about you know, what they're going to see in a movie. If they're watching Cinderella and they kiss at the end and they go off in a carriage with white dress, <laughs> what is that? Okay, that's the marriage. What does that mean? They're going to start a family. They're going to be together forever. They need to know this is like not something you take lightly, even though in every Hallmark movie, that's like the first kiss and then boom, they get married, you know? <laughs> but like they, they need to know this is something that is... This is something that is a big deal. I mean, this is the one of the culminating like pinnacles of your life and it sets up your happiness with all of your children. Mm-hmm. You want to have good children. You want to have a good home life for your whole life. You got to find the right one. And it's not just who kissed you, you know, it's more than that. And, and you got to want more than that. You got to want uh, the full deal, the person who's with you through it all, the person who loves you despite the mistakes, but also expects you to get better. You yeah. know, the, the person who has a high standard for you and you've got one for them. And anyway, that's, I mean, you, you got to show your children what that looks like. And one of the best ways to teach your children about a good marriage uh, is to have one yourself. Now, if you don't no. have one, because sometimes <laughs> that's not the case, you know, yeah. like sometimes there, your marriage has a difficulty or maybe you're not even, you know, you don't even have someone that you're married to at the time and you're a single parent and, and that can happen, but you always want to teach the children what the ideal is that they're looking for. And you could if even you- find someone, like if you have a good friend who is a good example, you say, you know, take these guys, for example, like, yeah, mommy or daddy doesn't have it right right now, you know? We're, it's, it's not ideal, but these people, so-and-so, you know, they are strong, they're happy together and they work on things together. Like, you know, use, use that as an, as an example. 
That's a great idea. Yeah, because there are people out there that we go, oh, I wish I had that. Yeah. You know, I have a really good friend and she went through a divorce, a pretty bad one. And and she said, just because I got divorced and because that guy was abusive doesn't mean all men were bad and that marriage was bad. Right. She said, no, I still taught my daughters that that is that the ideal is you find the right kind of person and this is how you know what the right kind of person is mm-hmm. and now mom's looking for the right kind of person because she messed it up yeah you know or he changed or whatever it was but like she you know she kept it very clear with her children that that's what you're looking for so you've got to have good conversation with them you got to show them an example if you're watching movies that are just all about let's get in the bed and that kind of stuff, then you're actually endorsing that type of lifestyle instead of the good marriage lifestyle. Mm -hmm. If you're watching shows, whether they're on, you know, I don't know, Nickelodeon, I don't even know because I don't (laughs) watch TV. Anyway, but maybe that, you know, Disney even. But if you're watching shows that show dysfunctional family after dysfunctional family, parents that make fun of their children and try to get rid of the kids and parents that are like, can we just put them to get to bed so that we can make love? Those types of examples for your children show the wrong message about marriage and family and they won't get the message through what they're looking for parents don't realize they're grooming their children for what the children want right now you can you can see a little bit of that dysfunction once you're old enough and you've had enough discussions with your parents and you have a good foundation you yes exactly then you can see a bit more of that and it's not going to you'll just be like oh man that's so sad that they portray that as normal but then you'll move on right right so even so, you want to be careful not to saturate yourself. Yeah, with well, and I think that brings it back to, to the family core. standard, you know, because in our family standard, we have a standard of movies and media that we will and will not watch. Mm-hmm. And so that's because we had that and because we were very, I guess you could say strict with that, consistent, that's what we were very consistent with that. Mm-hmm. It really helped. I know it really helped me to form a good solid opinion of what I should be looking for in a future companion. And Mm -hmm. so it, I think that was a crucial part of my upbringing to help me, you know, have a successful, I guess you could call it successful love life. Yeah. I mean, had we put you in front of movies about strippers and pole dancers, (laughs) you might not have come out the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Like, because, <laughs> well, because if I, because if I sat there, no, there was a girl in our neighborhood when you were little and she's like, my favorite movie is Coyote Ugly. That is a movie about a stripper, which I would never even watch myself <laughs> because I have a standard for myself. Anyway, and I'm not going to watch it with my husband because I don't want him to get the impression that that's the way that we should behave. Right. You know, in our marriage, I want to keep our marriage beautiful too. Right. And so, and, and so to see that this girl, I was like, oh man, what are her, what is her family watching? And her family may think she doesn't get it. She doesn't know. I'm like, those parents are up in the night. (laughs) That's why, that's why, you know, couples, you don't do romantic things thing in front of the kids like you just don't because that is not processed correctly the proper way. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah and so and the, then that's called grooming and abuse is what that's called you know yeah. I mean and so those those are kind of I'd say those are kind of the boundaries when it comes to single dating and married life you know but I think it's important to talk about 
briefly, you know, some of those boundaries when you're a little bit younger, say 16 years old. Yeah. Well, first off, you got to decide when can someone actually go on dates? Yeah. You got to pick that. I say, family- I say it's pretty common to start around 16, I would say, but. Well, that's where we live. Yeah. You know, like every, every different demographic of people, it's different. There are it's some true. parents that are okay with their children having boyfriends and girlfriends like for real where they actually kind of like do things together and date when they're really young Mm -hmm. um i like my children to be really tied to family for quite some time and it seems to be culturally accepted where we live we live in a little bit more rural area um in kind of the middle of the united states (laughs) and and we uh where it is here most people don't date until they're 16 i mean there's a few exceptions Mm -hmm. but that's the main that's the main time that we see so that's what we decided for our family too was that that would be a good time and age six during that time drive yeah so it makes things a little easier but during that time we also decided as a family that it there would be no single dating during that time oh yeah in fact there were rules, Paige. Why don't you talk about the rules you had for dating, frequency of seeing the same person, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the, what kinds of dates and yeah. stuff like that. What were, the, what were the rules that we had for, for dating for you? Yeah, so when I was 16, 16 17, um, the rules were that you had to go on group dates or at least a double date. And in order to go on a date with that same person, you had to go on a date with someone else. And then you could go on another day with that person. Because when you're 16, you, you got to experience lots of different people. And it's hard to do that when you're going on a date with you know the same person over and over, whether it be group dates or single dates. But that was the rule for me, you know. Yeah. Well, dates. we weren't going to, we, we weren't, we weren't going to push pairing off, you know, oh. because what is the point of pairing off at that age? Plus, you know, if you do like a double date or a group date, it helps with social skills as well. Because then they, oh, get, yeah. they get to, you know, interact with other people in a situation where their parents aren't around. And it, I don't know, it, I feel like it helped me a ton with my social skills. Or maybe they are around. Do you remember how many guys you brought over to the house? <laughs> I mean, you know, bringing over all kinds of different friends and guys and their and some guys and their siblings and stuff. Because maybe you didn't have other people to do things. Or so it'd be like, well, nice. and bring your siblings over. And, and so seeing if they can com- be compatible into your family. Mm-hmm. You know, you get two people together and they could just sit, sit and watch a YouTube video. You get four people together. They kind of have to talk about something. You bring them into your family. It is super bad manners <laughs> to get on your phone. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's a, there's a really great way to test that person's social abilities and to work on your own. Yeah. So I love that. So there, there are actually times where we had, we had lots of game nights when I was in between the ages of like 15 and 18 or, you know, we didn't do sleepovers, but we called them laidovers. We would do laidovers and they'd be over mm-hmm. to like midnight or one o'clock and then we'd take them all home. But that was yeah to have those game nights and just hang out and you and dad, well, more you than dad, but you guys would be involved. We'd, I, I know I loved having you play games with us. We'd invite you to play games with us. And it was like, it was, some of the best times I ever had as a 16, 17 year old. 
Yeah, it was fun. I mean, honestly, the more real things you do like that, the better. And and I think that gets us to another thing about modern dating, okay? Because there is a difference between dating right now and, and what dating used to be. If you say you're going on a date with someone now and you're 16, there's, there's places, pockets of the population, even where we live, where the young people think if you're going to go on a date, if a person is going to ask you out on a date, that means you're in love and you're a thing. Yeah, which is not true. But. And that's major jumping to conclusions. That would actually suggest you can't ever date them. Without the commitment. Pur- the purpose, well, the purpose of a date is to find out what kind of a person you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like just spend so, time with the person. You don't have to commit to a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the whole point. You, you go on a date and another date and another date and a date with another person and another person so that you can see, okay, I like that about that guy. I think I want, I want to find a guy that's got that quality. Mm-hmm. I really do not like this about this guy though. So now I know steer clear of that type of a guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, you just learn those things. Yeah. So, so that, that brings me to, okay, so you have to be able to date, but what I'm wondering now is if they're calling what used to be dating hanging out. Okay. Yeah. So that maybe let's hang out. But the problem with hanging out is there's no commitment there. It suggests just a bunch of people or just some or just whatever, but there's no, there's no um, commitment. So then you got to ask yourself, is any commitment good? Because yes, I would um, say some commitment is good. Like if you're going to ask someone on a date, and I actually did that a lot. <laughs> I was the type of girl I wasn't scared to ask someone on a date. But um, when I asked someone on a date, you know, I was committed to possibly paying for our activity. And I was committed to, you know, giving my attention to the people that were involved in the date. And I was committed to making sure that everything was, was okay. You know, making mm-hmm. sure that I was not necessarily in charge, but, you know, taking charge if needed or, but not just like, here I am. Well, that you were respecting the time. Like, okay, well, we're going to go on this day and we're going to, I'll pick it from this time and we'll probably be done at this time. And you're going to respect the time. You're going to respect the person. So if a person asks somebody on a date, the difference from a hangout is that there is a a sense of obligation to each other one person wouldn't just up and go or start taking phone calls from other guys if they're on a date with another guy like there's a sense of an obligation but if you're hanging out there's no obligation to that other person so so the thing is is right now if somebody says i'm gonna go on a date with so and so you know with somebody somebody asked me on a date they'll be like oh are you a thing are you and it's like no i'm just going on a date date. (laughs) like we're not dating we're going on a date yeah exactly which is so basically being yeah yeah we're going to spend time with each other and get to know each other better yeah and that's it and but the thing is is it does protect people when there when there was an actual date made people committed to going for a length of time with each other doing something setting aside time for a person there's a sacrifice that's made there there's a sacrifice of money sometimes that people make Mm -hmm. so the time sacrifice the money sacrifice and so those types of commitments are great that come out of a date they teach people to 
be more service oriented and not just look out for themselves. Right. 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 So that's a good thing. So hanging out is the thing that you do when you're looking for potential people to maybe have a date with. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. So hanging out is like, here's a whole group of us. Here we are. We're just hanging out. And then, and then a guy might look across the room and think, I think I want to take that girl out to lunch. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like window shopping (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. Cause poor starving college students. Right. (laughs) Anyway. um, But, but those single dates, we, we told our children single dating shouldn't happen unless you are at the stage where you are looking for the one to get married to. Mm-hmm. And so college that's is That's when the single that. dates. <laughs> well, yeah. So you're finally at an age where it's legal to be looking for that person. But, but then also it's like there's, you know, you've had some life experiences. So you set a goal to serve a mission for our church before you were going to be getting into that phase. And a lot of people do that. Right. And so, um, so that's also a thing. Okay. Well, you wanted to accomplish that first. Okay. That's done. Check, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, so then let's talk about texting because I've noticed texting is really getting in the way from a healthy dating culture. It's so true. It's really, it's not enabling, but it's, crippling the ability to talk to someone face-to-face and it's making Mm -hmm. talking face-to-face more awkward because yeah face-to-face you don't have time to think of a response and then word it just correctly and so like everybody's obsessed with being seen as perfect or something oh no it's true everyone like if you're not perfect then there's things going on but my thing is if you're trying to be perfect then there's something you're covering up like just be yourself. Yeah, I mean nobody's perfect, yeah. right? But yeah, so yeah. texting, I mean it's it's a great form of communication. I say after you already have a relationship with someone, like I'll text you during the day and just be like, "Hey, did you like did you get this done, mom?" or "Hey, mom, what do I do with this recipe?" or "Hey, you know." But it's it's not a good solid way to really get to know someone because you can't yeah. really perceive personality through text unless they're extremely good at punctuating and using emojis but sometimes even then (laughs) (laughs) most people are not (laughs) and and even then it's like even then it's like you know there's a point where you need to hear the voice of that person you know the voice of a parent to their child is the voice of love Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. voice somebody's voice you hear and you feel them like you can't in a text Right, but once you already know someone, you can perceive the way they're trying to say something through it. But before that, it's it's just not adequate to really get to know someone. No, and I do love that this guy that you're dating right now was not a big text. But (laughs) he still isn't, but (laughs) yeah. But I but I actually like that. I mean, obviously you want to stay in contact and like, you know. But um but I like that that wasn't his focus is to do the text thing with the girls because I feel like that's a kind of a cop-out in a way Mm -hmm. for girls and boys it's like are you ever going to take it to the next level because if you can say everything in a text that you need to say then when you're with the person you'll have nothing to say 
And, and I think people end up in a way tongue tying themselves like that. And then they may feel like they don't have good social skills. Well, you already used them all up with your fingers on the, the keyboard, <laughs> you know, it's true. And so it's, I don't know, that's something I appreciate about my relationship is like, we don't, when, you know, when we take each other home for the night, we don't have to, you know, keep texting because we feel like we've, we've accomplished what we needed to in person. And so, you know, a lot of times it's just like, Hey, good night, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But we just relish the time that we have in person. And then if we need to talk about something, then sure, we'll text it, you know. Well, and that actually shows a lot of maturity for both of you that you're both um, independent enough that you don't hang on somebody in a way that is debilitating to that other person, which is really great. There's so many different boundaries that we could discuss with dating and courtship. Um, Obviously, there's sexual boundaries you want to teach your children and that you want to have for yourself, right? Right. Where you say, nope, we don't touch there and we don't do that (laughs) and that's it and I will move your hands now and such (laughs) as it is, you know? I mean, that's just like when you really love somebody or when you really are attracted to a person, your brain could fly out the window. So it's good for both people to have decided what their boundaries are. Yeah, that's good. For you know, sure. and so there's obviously and to be open about those. I think that's children. another big thing. Yeah, and we also taught our children not to be just just to give their kisses away. I mean, Paige has been on lots and lots of dates, but has only ever kissed two different guys, True. right? Yep. So because you saved yourself. Yeah. Well, and I'm, a, I'm, I, you know, I value physical touch, and it means more to me than it could to some other people, and so I, I chose to. I'm just gonna give it away. Yeah, chose to keep those special. Well, and I think, I think that, you know, helping your children understand when is a time for that. Why would you get overly romantic when it can't go anywhere when you're 15? Right. You know, it can't go. Where's it going to go? Like, but when you're at a stage where it could go to marriage, then, well, that's a different thing then, isn't it? Yeah. No, I remember, I remember being in high school and, you know, the one year that I did, do some high school classes and I remember meeting a couple guys where I'm like oh my goodness you have some amazing qualities and so you know I would go on some dates with them and that's really when I figured out kind of the person that I wanted in the future was from those guys that I met in high school and mm-hmm. it was because I spent time with them talking with them seeing what their interests were that I was able to form an opinion of what would be best for me later on. Because actually when you choose that right person, it should, there should be a lot of logic involved. Mm -hmm. Um, It should be somebody that you feel like, you know, check. I mean, not that there's going to be a perfect person. Okay. But like, you know, everyone's going to have to concede a little, but, you know, it used to be in the old, old days, like, you know, you watch a Jane Austen movie and they're like, okay, so-and-so looks like he could provide for you. He makes X amount of money. I, I don't, okay, I don't agree. I don't agree with just choosing somebody on money. Cause that's ridiculous. <clears throat> but in fact, nowadays more than ever, we don't do that. Well, <laughs> maybe some people do, but in our family, that hasn't been the case. But anyway, um, <clears throat> 
So, but they would say, okay, he makes X amount of money. He seems to have very good character. He's respected in this community. He has, he comes from a good family. He, you know what I mean? He's been to X school or whatever, and he's done things. And so this is how they would choose. And the guys would say things like, well, she, you know, is really comes from a great family too. And she's a smart person and she has these different skills. And so, um, because Jane Austen's movie uh, stuff is usually for the girls' perspective, we don't hear as much about what qualities they're looking for in the woman. But oftentimes, they call the woman accomplished. She's accomplished. What does that mean? That means she's smart in languages, in arts, and different things, and running a household, and she can do all these different things. So, so that was, you know, a given that you would logically deduce. You know, well, is is this person going to be what I'm looking for? in a whole bunch of different ways and then oh and am i attracted to them yeah. you know what i mean like you wouldn't even pursue the people <laughs> to see if you're attracted honestly to them. though the yeah. skills that people have make them attractive or the the values that they have well i was gonna say Paige, you've tried to like okay well does that person have the values that match me do they want the same kinds of things out of life do they want, you know, the same kind of marriage that I want? Do they follow the same faith that I have? Okay, then I'll see if I can if I can determine they have that already. And there's apps for pe- for that, right? <laughs> there's apps where you <laughs> True. can the, the match different religious preferences and stuff like that. And and that helps you narrow things down to find people that might be in that category. But you know, people also you can meet them at church or wherever. Mm-hmm. Okay, but um but that's why people meet, meet at college so often and they, you know, end up getting married out of college because, well, these people are already motivated enough to be at college and wow, they've got a job and they're at school and they're, wow, they're motivated. I'm motivated. Already we know that we have two people who are dedicated to becoming better versions of themselves. That's really attractive. Now, can we be attracted in other ways? You know, right. I mean, so it starts things out in a good direction. Yeah. No, I think one of my favorite things to tell people is <laughs> like my mom always says you know find someone who's got everything on the inside good looks are a bonus <laughs> yeah because yeah, if, but if someone is pure gold on the inside then they're going to be attractive no matter what because that's actually the part that really is the sexy part mm-hmm. and, and i mean in my opinion you know <laughs> i mean i've got a cute guy i'm just saying my bonus <laughs> rub but, it in mom she <laughs> i mean your guy's cute too but let's not go to all of that okay so um so there you go but there's other boundaries you can talk about curfews and you know all that kind so of stuff. many there's so things. many different there's so many boundaries related to dating and courtship and and stuff but i think the biggest message that we probably wanted to get across today was the importance of deciding what are my standards what is my plan what are my boundaries mm-hmm. And making sure that you have a plan for teaching your children about dating and courtship and stuff and that you have a plan for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're in that zone, what, what exactly is your plan? Who are you looking for? Where are you going? Or is it just the first person that gives you attention? Because if that's the direction your children go, that could be the direction of a heartache. Right. And it could be really difficult. And you know what? If they're little and they've got crushes on people and they bat their eyes like Paige did, <laughs> you know, that just it's means fine. they're so human and so feminine and that's good. It's okay. <laughs>
I did the same thing. I had a boyfriend at five. I mean, itch. You know, he walked me home from school. <laughs> on a regular basis. Anyway. <laughs> we played on the playground. You know, it was super cute. <laughs> anyway. Uh, wonderful. Well, you can learn a whole lot more about family standards and about boundaries and about skills to use for your family, like accepting no answers and all that kind of stuff on the website, teachingselfgovernment.com. So you can always go there to learn more. We just are able to scratch the surface every time, but it's been so fun being with you. Thank you for joining us today on the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.